Welcome to Rewilding Work. I'm Paul Miller. Rewilding Work captures stories and examples of how senior leaders and changemakers are transforming the world of work across their organisations, bringing a new natural intelligence into the workplace. Are you listening? I hope so. Because today we are talking about the art and science of listening to your employees. And we're also going to flip the switch and chat a little bit about business travel post-pandemic. Why? Because our guest today is Kelly Flynn, Vice President Strategic Communications at BCD Travel. And while BCD Travel is not a household name in the consumer travel industry, it is in the business travel field with a 13,000 strong team operating in 170 countries. And BCD is the fourth largest travel company in the world. So please do subscribe to the DWG channel so you get alerted about each new episode. Now let's hear from Kelly. Hi Kelly, great to be with you. So my first question is, BCD Travel and you put a big focus on the voice of the employee. Can you tell me why that is? Yeah, I think, Paul, when you and I were first talking about the idea of doing this conversation, we were putting that in the context of the the rewilding work that you've been doing. And it struck me that there is a parallel to be drawn to this idea of listening to the nature around us. I mean, as we look at a hurricane forming in the Gulf of Mexico, as we look at wildfires taking taking place across um, the Western U.S. and parts of Europe and Northern Africa, there is this sense that we need to listen to what our environment is telling us if we have the courage to listen. And I think if you consider the workplace as sort of that kind of an equivalent biosphere where everything needs to be functioning in harmony, then there are benefits, I think, to the company, speaking for myself, for my team, and for myself as an individual, to being sure we're listening to the employees. So for our company, it is uh, for BCD, that voice is a, it's a gut check, right? It's an opportunity to validate strategic decisions we've taken. Um, for my team, I'm, I'm lucky enough to lead BCD's strategic communications team, which is tasked with um, driving knowledge and content and experiences that inform and connect and inspire our people. So when we are working, for example, with executive stakeholders on messaging key initiatives, I tell my team, we always have to have the voice of the employee in our head, the one that is asking all the tough questions. Why is XYZ important? What's in it for me, et cetera, et cetera. Because that's really the only way to get to a final deliverable that not to be crass and transactional, achieves the goal of most communications, which is getting people to do what you want them to do or getting them to feel what you want them to feel. And then on a personal level, I think the voice of the employee keeps me humble in the sense that I'm lucky enough to have spent almost all of my corporate career with BCD. And I think when you've been with a company for a certain amount of time, there's a risk to assuming that you already know the answers to a lot of questions. So I'm committed and I ask my team to be committed to being ready to have our preconceptions challenged. I think that's Mm. so, so important. Yeah. And and I think you put it really beautifully and it's sort of, you've almost said it in an an environmental kind of setting. Um, 
And I'm going to ask you for a few examples of, of, of what this looks like in practice a bit later. But um, it feels to me like this has been a really neglected part of organizations. The idea that an organization would listen to its environment, tune into its environment, um, doesn't feel like it's been part of the culture of of the world of work. Do you do you sense that this is something that's changing in the world of work, or and and that because it's clearly a change you're wanting to bring in? Yeah, I think I would I would be inclined to gently challenge certainly in in the current workplace the idea that employee listening may be neglected or undervalued. Um, certainly for our industry, the corporate travel industry, um, we've been marked by a really acute post-pandemic war for talent, but I think we're far from alone. So while companies may be at different levels of maturity and their ability to gather employee input, to analyze it, and to put that information to truly productive use, I think that in the quest to retain existing talent, to attract new talent, I don't think companies can afford not to listen to their environment. Oh, I was, I was just thinking about the fact that years ago, I had a conversation with our global head of people and culture, which is BCD's term for what might be called human resources in other organizations. And he said something that has stuck with me ever since, which is that there is as much, if not more value in being interested than in being interesting. Now, as a communicator, the idea of being uninteresting sort of makes me shrivel up and die inside. But I think what matters so much in this philosophy is the notion that you you have to truly understand what makes your audience, your workforce tick, and you have to meet them where they live. So that when you do try to engage them, you're really speaking their language. And this is not rocket mm. science by any stretch mm. of the imagination, but sometimes common sense doesn't quite get the attention it deserves. Mm. But it's sort of true in life generally, isn't it, really? The, the, you know, I think, I mean, I think of my own role as a, uh, when I was the CEO of the Digital Workplace Group. I think if I think back kind of earlier in my career, I probably kind of talked more. Um, and I think there's a place for, for talking, for articulating strategy, uh, vision, kind of reminding people why we're here, what we're doing. But I think increasingly we're needing to sort of let others have their voice. And I think there's a kind of ex a greater expression being allowed in, in, in the world of work generally, almost at a kind of cultural level. And as you say, Kelly, if there's also then uh, a desire to get the best people want people to stay with you. Um, I don't think you achieve that by kind of constantly talking at people versus listening to people. I mean, we've got somebody coming on the podcast um, in a in a couple of months' time, who's the uh, a female CEO of a quite a large consulting organisation, and one of the things that it's really struck me with her style of of, of leadership is that there's a lot of a lot of listening going on. So, could you just give me maybe uh, one or two examples of what listening looks like inside BCD travel and 
and and and kind of what value that then brings for people who are saying so what what have we, what have we got from being a more listening company kelly like many companies uh bcd does what you could call active listening through employee pulse sentiment surveys this idea that we are regularly going out to our our employee base to you know take the temperature how are they feeling about different aspects of their physical workplace, their digital workplace, their career path at the company, um, just the, the entire environment, right? That biosphere in which they're operating. And I think that is a form of listening that can bring benefits at many levels. For our executive leaders, it is it generates data that can help guide and influence and support policy and workplace decisions that are designed to influence employee retention. For individual managers, Each manager has a dashboard that can help them pinpoint um, their team's pain points and their satisfaction drivers so that they, in turn, can take action to mitigate the one and maximize the others. I think for the employees themselves, um, there is a sense of, of recognition that their voice matters, that their voice is being heard, that they can share their opinion, share their feedback, um, and get responses, not just from their direct line manager, but going all the way up to the the CEO. So that's one example. I think, of course, again, like in many companies, different teams across our organization are regularly reaching out to the employee to uh, evaluate and assess the level of satisfaction with the services they provide, which is part of a continual process of taking sand out of the gears for our employees. So where can we make things easier? Where can we make things smoother and better? so that they in turn can be more engaged and more productive. And on that note, within my team, we've been doing some really fun, relatively new for us kinds of listening when it comes to our global intranet. Again, going back to this idea of taking the sand out of the gears, maximizing ease, minimizing frustration, as we keep working to evolve the intranet, make it more attuned to employee needs and behaviors. So we've been using tree testing to refine the navigation of the intranet where we created a set of tasks for our testing group to complete. So find this, do that, look for this. And then we were able to literally watch as the employees did these tasks, which brings a new level of immediacy to understanding their behaviors and their needs. How do they navigate? What what do they do that we didn't think they would do? What do their choices and their decisions tell us about their expectations? And then how does that knowledge help us challenge assumptions that were in place when we first built the intranet and and built the navigation? So it's an opportunity for us to to continually challenge what we may think may be the best way to do things and really bring that down to a level of engaged reality on behalf of the employee. Yeah. And you you said you've been with BCD travel um, throughout through a lot of your career, and how did the whole list? How did the the the, the listening uh, get deployed, if you like, during the pandemic? Because that must have been well, a to call it a traumatic experience for for somebody running a a corporate travel organization um, is probably an underestimate. And I just wonder what stories have stayed with you from that time and what, what you learned through that experience. 
I think you hit the nail on the head, Paul. One of the the things that has really will always stay with me is the memory of the, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to to say the courage and the grace that our employees showed as so much of what had defined us as a company suddenly just mm. stopped, right? And mm. then their resourcefulness and our resourcefulness as an organization in finding different ways, new ways to add values to our customer and to our client base. And the technology, as we sit here on, on Zoom, was a big part of that. It, it meant that as an organization within teams, within individual manager-employee relationships, we needed to embrace technology to help maintain or even strengthen connections, right? So getting to know um, colleagues, kids, and pets as they wandered on on screen during a meeting. My cat was personally obsessed with our CEO. Every time he heard his voice in my office, he'd come running and he'd sort of loom on screen and stare at the CEO. He could tell, he could tell that there's somebody important had come into the virtual Again, room. He was going to listen, right? He was as right, a okay. person. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that's kind of fascinating. And I mean, I was always the story, one of the stories that stayed with me was a financial services company early in the pandemic. And um, they had people in China and they were trying to, if you like, kind of keep telling people what to do while the pandemic was sort of taking off in China. And, and people were just breaking down on screen um really traumatized and the organization i remember i always remember senior leader there telling me we just started to sit back and 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 hear what people were were saying and it really changed and i think it's changed the organization um what state is the is the world of business travel corporate travel in now um and how's that um how's bcd travel as a company uh, adapting to that cuz I think we can all collectively say that workers has been fundamentally altered. There's a debate in which particular ways and how, but there's, as I understand it, less business travel happening. And how is how's BCD travel dealing with that? Certainly the, the million dollar question for everyone in our industry as the world emerged from the pandemic, you know, had we all gotten so used to conducting business from the comfort of yoga pants and our sofa that we'd never get on planes or check into hotels again. Uh, and I think the answer, which is clearly backed up by what we're seeing in our customer base, what we're seeing in the work that we're doing is no. Um, going back a year ago, I think there was so much pent up demand for travel that the, the industry as a whole was struggling to keep pace for a while. Um, people, recognize the value in face-to-face -face contact. You and I had the opportunity a, a couple of months ago to be face-to-face -face in a meeting in London, and there is a really inestimable value to that that companies and individuals recognize. Um, I do think that there has been maybe not a, a shift, but a reinforcement, a long-term positive impact where we see our customers really keenly focused on traveler well-being and sustainability. So recognizing the stress that travel can cause to a person, to our planet, mm -hmm. and using that to think really critically about where travel is necessary and where you might be able to achieve the goals that you have in traveling. Maybe there's another way to, to achieve them. 
But we're also seeing, I think, the emergence of a new category of travel, which is directly coming from the shift that you were talking about um, as during the pandemic, companies either shrank their physical footprint or simply embraced remote working to the fullest. You know, maybe call it collaboration travel, which asks where and how do we bring people together to achieve mm. kind of interaction, kind of innovation opportunities, the kind of listening opportunities that arose perhaps more organically when we were in a primarily office-based culture. So it is really, companies are asking, how can we use travel to, to recreate some of what we might be missing now in this new normal? And it's, and I think what you're describing is, it feels to me like a more mature approach, a more intelligent approach to, let's call it business travel. I mean, one of the stories I remember from the '90s um, with a large pharmaceutical company, and and I remember there was an executive there who, twice in one week, went on Concord from London to New York, and it, it, it to me, it sort of typifies the kind of craziness that was sort of acceptable it was almost like wow you're that important and 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 but now you know we look back at that and it just seems kind of absurd so there's this more intelligent more thoughtful i love the the idea that you're thinking more sustainably um that you think about the well-being i i know when i'm sort of looking at my own um uh, travel for next year it's like what's going to bring the best out of um of me of the organization where and we're seeing definitely in our own um clients members a lot more thought around the um environmental impacts of travel what's necessary and it is it is in a way getting back to where you started talking about the the planet it's a way of starting to integrate a more thoughtful way of of approaching it. So, what before we end, Kelly? What would you what what haven't I asked you that you'd you'd like to to mention or something else that's on your mind? Excellent question. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to listen. I know you're trying, and you're doing such a good job. It's very tempting yeah. to to keep on going. <laughs> I think that what I would like to maybe leave people with is. The notion that, again, going back to where we started, as communicators, this is my my native tribe, right? As communicators, the temptation to over-communicate and to talk and talk and talk can be overwhelming. And we have an enormous role to play in making sure that we are listening as individuals, that we're helping our teams listen, that we're helping our organization, the senior leaders that we work with, that we help them listen as well. Um, But then to do something with what we've heard, I think there's nothing more frustrating to a person than feeling as if they've been talking at someone and that what they've said has not really registered. So I think we Mm -hmm. have an obligation within within the communities in which we're operating to ensure that wherever possible, we can create positive action from what we've heard. Yeah, and what's coming from what you're saying, Kelly, to me is that when we think of either talking or listening, we're thinking of a of a, of a direction. But actually, really, what is in between is the relationship, and actually, the relationship and the communication in relationship 
is is and i think you know we all know that in organizations where or in any situation any um type of organization of any sort you know it's the relationships that sort of define the culture the quality of the relationships um kelly it's been wonderful to connect with you to listen to you um and to talk with you and to to have this bit of relationship thank you very much paul i thoroughly enjoyed it thank you so much for the invitation thank you Have we got two great pundits for you today? We certainly have. Ephraim Julius Freed is the Customer Growth Manager for Reality Labs at Meta, and he works on VR for work. And Gila Bahri Esfahani is the Head of Business Consulting at BJSS, a leading technology and engineering consultancy for business. So, Gila... Can I start by just asking you what what struck you most and what did you connect with from what Kelly was was talking about? So quite a lot but Kelly used a phrase early on I think in the in the session where she said we need to listen to what our environment is telling us if we have the courage to listen or to hear and I just mm. thought that was such a great statement because I really believe in that. Um, one of the one of the reasons why often organisations don't listen as much as as maybe they know they should do is that fear about what they're going to hear. So that courage to listen was a really big piece um, for me because I do think it is one of the biggest challenges. Is the the more that you ask, the more that you get back. And there is that challenge in organisations, particularly in this post pandemic world, of the pace of change doesn't always align to the pace of what we're hearing on the other side and what our our team members are going through and our ability to react to what we're hearing may not always match um, all of the challenges that we're seeing on the ground. So I really liked that, that piece of if we have the courage to listen and that really struck a chord with me. Yeah. And that's a really interesting point, isn't it, Ephraim? Because, you know, once you start listening, you don't really control what you're going to hear. And, it's quite the, the sort of concept of listening to the employees is all great, but what about the fact that organisations can then find themselves hearing things they don't like? And and, and also, um, while you're kind of responding to that, I'd love to hear your own overall reactions to what Kelly was talking about as well. Yeah. Well, I love what Gila pulled out there. Um, the courage you know, when we listen, we think that we have to solve every problem that someone brings up, or we feel as though we need to fix everything. Um, And part of the role of listening is giving people the opportunity to express themselves. Um, You don't always have to solve the problem, but people do need to be able to explain what they're feeling, what they're thinking, give their feedback, et cetera. And so that courage is partly the courage to not have the answers, not have the solutions at every moment. Um, and, and be honest about that because there's a vulnerability about that, mm-hmm. that in many cases leaders aren't comfortable with, but the listening is still absolutely important. We know this from our relationships, right? Our spouses, our children, our friends, sometimes someone needs to talk and just feel listened to. We're not there to solve the problem for them. And it's really the same at work. And so I love that Gila mentioned that. Another thing that stood out for me was when Kelly mentioned doing tree testing for their intranet. 
And Paul, you and I go a long way back. You know how much I believe in using user experience uh, research for employees. Um, but follow me on this quick little journey. Uh, they say that listening is an act of love, right? And I really love that statement. Listening is an act of love. And love is is empathy a lot of the time. The problem is that often in, at work and with employees, we want to be empathetic, but we don't have the right tools. And what we need is the structure for empathy. We need to operationalize empathy. And doing user experience research on your intranet, the way that Kelly talked about, is actually operationalizing empathy, taking the desire to listen and bringing a lot of structure and specificity to it. So you're listening in a very specific way and getting uh, feedback and hearing things that you can act on. And that really stood out to me. And it's something that I think a lot of us can think about more is how do we operationalize empathy and our, our need to listen. Hmm. No, that's really, really beautifully put. And, 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 and Sheila, um, post pandemic, do you think listening as a, as an activity, as a, as an operation, perhaps inside the world of work has, has changed and evolved. And, and if so, how, how do you see that? Yes, huge, hugely. I think it's had a great deal more emphasis. I think it's, it's a journey that I think organisations have had to go on in, in a way that we, it's e it was easier to take the temperature, I suppose, of your organisation or think you're taking the temperature by people who are physically around you by the performance um, on projects or how people are doing in their own development journeys. And I think the pandemic brought that distance to, to, to how we connected with the rest of the workforce. And we've been on real journey on actually that, that connection, how you, how you gauge how people are doing and how people are doing as a general statement um, has changed in the, in the world of work. And to, to me, um, we're looking, it's got greater emphasis listening post pandemic, but also the breadth of what we're listening for has changed. So we're not just keen to understand performance and development opportunities. There's a greater emphasis put on well-being. There's a greater need to understand the whole of how an individual is operating, what support they need, what opportunities they're looking for, um, but also kind of where they are at their own stage in their life. My my personal experience, junior to senior people that, that I've spoken to in teams from a listening perspective is that the more we ask, the more we hear. Um, and the more that people are willing to share from a personal perspective, and that's not the same for everyone, but sometimes it just means that we're able to connect in a slightly different way and value the time that we have together, whether that's in person or not. Um, but how, and that, that might be how, you know, Ephraim chooses to operate day to day and what uh, switches him off during, during the workday or actually some constraints that we might never have known in a pre-pandemic world. So I do think there's greater emphasis and there's greater value on what we're hearing, but that breadth of what we are hearing as well is, is also just much greater. Yeah. And I wonder, Julie, whether you think that the, there's something, I mean, there's an awful lot of talk about what has changed in work through the pandemic. And, and we sort of point to perhaps the more obvious things, but I think some of these cultural changes are kind of, they're less 
obvious, but in a way more profound. I mean, the idea that an organization would have the courage, as you put it, Ephraim, to, 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 and Kelly put it, to, to listen to people. And I love this idea that just because you're listening, just because you're giving people the voice, it doesn't mean you have to solve everything. I mean, I certainly, as a human being, you know, try and understand that myself. It's like, just because you're telling me how you feel doesn't mean I need to be the, you know, the knight in shining armor who's going to come in with all the the solutions. Is that a question, Gila, or did I just come up with a statement? Um, I agree with the statement. <laughs> all the question. I, I do think, I do think it is, I think, or the, I suppose the desire to hear more is greater. And I think in this post-pandemic world, access to individuals who you may not have had access to before has been democratized and people are more willing to hear and, and learn um, whether that is through using tools so my organization uses slack a lot more and I think in a pre-pandemic world a very junior colleague fresh out of university or not having gone through a university pathway wouldn't have necessarily instant messaged a CTO and that happens mm. in today's world so I think yeah. there that appetite and recognition to listen and it doesn't always mean that said CTA will take an action on what the junior person is saying or commit to something in that moment but it's about um hearing uh, or having the opportunity to say what you want and knowing that that is being heard I think Kelly said recognition that an individual's voice matters that they are heard across levels is really important and I really agree with that um and I think it's about to to from your your point it's about collecting those data points and making people feel heard whether or not we're able to fully act on it or not. Hmm. Yeah. And Ephraim, and the other thing that I, I wanted to talk to Kelly about, just because she's in the corporate travel industry and I'm just sort of quite fascinated by what's happening with business travel is, and I thought it was really interesting what she talked about to do with um, uh, more purposeful, uh, a more sustainable approach. I mean, how has business travel changed for you in your work and, and how do you see that having changed through the pandemic? Yeah. You know, what Kelly said really resonated with me that people are becoming more purposeful and part of it, Paul, gets back to what you've been saying for at least a decade, that we should treat in-person time as sacred time. We don't just spend time together by default, just because we can or we should, but when we're together, we make great use of that time. And that's what I've been seeing. So if we're going to get together, if people are going to travel, let's make sure that we're having uh, teams spend quality time together, both getting to know each other, getting clear on their strategy and goals. Uh, if we're getting together with clients, let's, let's make sure that we have a really good reason to do it. Uh, and I think that also, and I'm not sure if this had much to do with the pandemic, but there does seem to be more of a focus on the environmental impact of travel than ever before. And I think that's a piece of the intentionality there as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. I've, I've come to see that a lot. Uh, with all the companies that I work with. And it's something that I really appreciated. Um, and, you know, we're still also trying to figure it out because a lot of companies are, are returning to office more. Um, a lot of people are getting back to normal and we have record personal travel right now as well. So um, it's still a thing that we're figuring out. Hmm. 
Yeah. And Sheila, I mean, how has how, how has business travel changed for you in your work and, and how do you see it maybe in your own uh, organisation or, or the clients that you serve? So that, that last piece on purposeful travel, I think completely resonates with me. And I think in consulting as an industry, let's say four or five years ago, it was pretty standard practice to be on client side four days a week. I know that was my experience, including sort of traveling, usually not to particularly glamorous locations um, on a Monday morning and coming back on a Thursday evening, which takes a, a toll, but it was all part of the deal. And that's obviously it reduced drastically during the pandemic. And for those um myself included on COVID critical projects, we were working hybrid whilst other people were working remote. And then we're now in a different shift. And what I see happening a lot is particularly those who've been in consulting for a while, we have a habit of saying, oh, well, you know, your client's asking you to go on on to site today or your team is asking you to, you don't remember what it used to be like. We used to have to do this all the time. And I think it's that need to challenge ourselves because that's not helpful. That's not mm. the experience that our newer, younger or just newer to the industry workforce have had. And ultimately, it's not the experience we have today that that was the past. But this isn't the world and the expectations that we've set out as organisations. And I think, as Kelly also said, it's a really hot market for talent or it, or it has been. And people can choose and you do have a right to say what your personal preferences are. So, mm. so business travel has really changed, I think, both the expectations of what what our clients need or our partners need, but also what our employees need. And I think it's that uh, that healthy tension to be able to challenge where we are doing something purposeful to get together or if it's just actually something we should push back on for the well-being of our individuals. And I think to me it kind of comes back to what's the what's the cost and what's the benefit. And when I say cost, what I don't mean is money, although that's that's obviously going to be a factor. But it's the environmental cost. Is it really worth it? And even if it's not worth, like, are we measuring? Are we checking it? Are we checking ourselves on mm. what this is? Do we understand what that is? And the time it takes. That's the biggest thing I hear is, well, if you're asking me to be productive as a management consultant, I'm wasting one and a half hours each way yeah. when I come into the office. Could I be using that more productively? So that individual cost, that that time, and also where people have made commitments, particularly through the pandemic, whether that's family or moving house or, or changing their lifestyle, I think it's all of those things that we have to balance on that. What's the cost and what's that What's that benefit? Are we making travel and in-person activities really purposeful? Mm. Yeah, and I really like the fact that um, what Kelly was saying about BCD travel is that while obviously they're in the travel industry, they that's that's their business proposition but they're also evolving as an organization and i and i i i i really like the way that that whole if i can call it sector um is thinking in a more kind of agile purposeful way so any final uh, reflections or any final comments Ephraim? there's something that Gila said that really resonated so my daughter, Ella, she just started middle school. She's older. Uh, the conversations kids are having are changing. Um, it's, it's kind of a milestone moment, you know, in, in the U.S. For, for a kid to go to middle school. And uh, so we got her an, uh, an iPhone and uh, set a lot of restrictions around it because we're concerned. But I recently was telling her, you know, you know, 
I have to remind my, my daughter sometimes to be really grateful for what they have. Right. Uh, and I was telling Ella, you know, when, do you know how old I was when I got my first smartphone, my first phone? Uh, do you know how old she has her own Chromebook, her own iPad now, right? Three devices of her own. And I was saying, do you know how old I was? But it really doesn't work to compare someone, a, an 11 year old in 2023 with a, let's say 10 through 21 year old many years ago, right? Because these are different times. We live in a different world. There are different expectations and standards. And to your point, Gila, telling people in the consulting world, well, before the pandemic, you always had to be on site four days a week. Therefore, you know, you shouldn't complain. It doesn't make sense. It is comparing apples to oranges. We can learn from the past, but it can be unhelpful to compare too much to the past. And so I think that that kind of, it's a personal reminder for me that comparing my daughter's current day to my history uh, isn't necessarily very helpful. Um, but also it's a reminder to look up what what have we learned? What has changed and why? And to your point, I think that the pandemic did humanize all of us. And we realized that the commute of an hour, hour and a half each way, each day, that was a lot of time for a person. They're not working. They're not with their family. They're not exercising. They're sitting on a train or in a car. Um, and we see the whole person a little bit better now at work than we did four years ago. And yeah. that's a, a worthwhile change. Hmm. That, that's great. And um, Gila, any final comments that you'd like to make? I think that that last point really, really resonates with me. I think we've said lots of things resonate with us, but that's, it's that point on seeing, seeing more of a person and the more we listen, the more we understand the whole and we can appreciate it and take it into account. I think those lines between personal and professional are just more blurred now. And if we think about something it, Kelly said, so I think like my closing thought here is you can't afford not to listen to your talent is so true. And I think that part of it is being human, as you say, but also being transparent about things that are, it's not that you, that you can't necessarily change them, but some things are harder to change. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and change them, but being open to actually some things are easier to do and some things are harder and trying to get people involved on the journey to change some of those harder factors and understand why the constraints might be there um, will just help in terms of moving to that next new mode of working before we change again. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I look at some of the patterns through the episodes of rewilding work we've had this year, I, I think probably the, one of the key things I picked up is this more kind of subtle but really quite fundamental cultural change happening in work. And it feels very much like it's work in progress. And we can sort of see some of the aspects of it. And I think this this listening, this courage, this humanizing, some of the practical considerations around travel are definitely part of it. But I think the story is still um, unfolding. And, and, you know, I know the technology that both of you are involved with in your day-to-day -day work is, is really key to enabling some of these changes to happen. So thank you so much, Ephraim. Thank you so much, Gila. It's been great to have you on Rewilding Work. Thanks so much, Paul. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. 
So here are my three seeds to plant based on the interview with Kelly and the great conversation with Gila and Ephraim. Seed number one, listening as a company doesn't mean you have to fix every concern or issue that people bring up. I think there's a natural human tendency to feel that if people are sharing concerns with you, that you've got to be the one to fix them. You don't have to. Listening in its own right has its value. Seed number two, it takes courage to listen well, and it makes us all more humane, more human. So use the courage and listen well and know that it's going to change you and other managers inside the organization. We become more human. We become more humane by listening and it affects the culture of the organization. And seed number three is that business travel is becoming ever more purposeful. Finally, haven't we waited an awful long time for this? It's a pandemic effect that business travel as an activity, it's needed, but it needs to be thought through with intention, with more purpose and with more respect for individuals. So when we do travel for business, we know why we're doing it. So please do subscribe to Rewilding Work and like right here so you get alerted to each new episode. And I look forward to seeing you next time. 